Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome to Voices from the Real World. Profile Theater is a theater company located in Portland, Oregon. Profile Theater centers the season around a season-long featured writer. Our best artists help us see. And at Profile, each year, we use a different writer's unique perspective as a lens that helps us see our shared world in new and surprising ways. Community Profile is an affinity space built around the structure of a free writing workshop. Participants in Community Profile meet, write, support, share, and bear witness to other people who may have walked a mile in their shoes. In Community Profile, we feature writers who have won awards and had numerous books published, as well as writers who are making their first foray into expressing themselves on paper. The result is writing that is singularly personal, provocative, powerful, moving, funny, tragic, beautiful, and that encapsulates the entirety of the human experience. What this podcast does is give those writers, those creators, a chance to share their life stories and their writing in a public forum so that we can celebrate and appreciate victories that have been won and challenges that have been overcome by people whose lives you may recognize or be experiencing for the very first time. All right, folks, I am here with one Leslie North. And we are having a whale of a time recording this episode. Yes, we are. Um, <laughs> so, Leslie, uh, who's been one of my favorite people that I've met in the past couple of years. And um, you were going to tell me a story about how you came to Portland. Yes. And then how you wound up back in Memphis, Tennessee. And then moved on to Atlanta, Georgia, where you are now, right? Yes, I was. Um, So I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee, and I had been working there. I had been working in IT since I graduated college because I got my bachelor's in computer science. So in 2017, I had got to the point where I was working a job where I like didn't like my boss and it just made it hard to go to work every day. And um I thought, you know, well, what if I just go back to acting school like I initially wanted to do when I went to college? And I just kind of randomly, you know, decided that I wanted to try and apply for school. So I went to the Erda auditions in Chicago. And um, after I interviewed and, you know, talked to the schools that put me on their list, I actually had an interview with Samson for the Portland Actors Conservatory. And the way he talked about the program and the ensemble uh, just made me, I don't know, I was just sold on it. It seemed like the place that I would fit into. So I just kind of left my job, my really good paying job. And I went to Portland to be a student again. (laughs) And then um, I graduated the program. It was two years. I stayed in Portland for, I guess, another year and a half. And then when COVID hit, A lot of things changed, and so I just kind of went home to take a break, and um, I was there for about five months, and I decided to go on to Atlanta because Atlanta seemed like a pretty good place to go that was closer to home than Portland, but also a good place to be as an actor, especially a Black actor, um, but more affordable than New York and L.A., so yeah. Excellent. So let me ask you. Um, how did you like Portland while you were here? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Portland was cool. Um, it, it was a culture shock for sure. Cause I'm, I'm coming from Memphis and that's about, I want to say 68% black 
And then when you get to Portland, it's like 3% black or something. So it was very different to, to go in public and, and kind of not see people who looked like me a lot. Um, but I, I got there and I was excited about everything. So I, I guess I kind of had a really great perspective when I got there. I was excited about school and, and meeting all my classmates, uh, taking the max. That was kind of fun for me. I don't know why. Um, and I like the the hipster vibe, I guess of Portland because you, I mean, you can just be an individual when you're there. Um, you can wear whatever you want. You can have whatever kind of style you want and people don't give you a hard time about it. Whereas in the South, you're pretty much judged or criticized if you're doing something different from what people are used to. And the nature is really great. I'm, I kind of hate that I didn't get to enjoy that as much, but yeah, Portland's cool. What's uh, Georgia like in that regard? Is, is there hiking and stuff like that around there? You know, so when I say that the nature's cool, I like the way the nature looks. I'm not a big hiker, so I <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's there's parks and stuff here, but I'm I'm not like deep into that world, so I couldn't tell you. But I, I'm sure they have that here too. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so how has your creative life been since you've been in Georgia? <laughs> what a great question. Um I don't know. It's it's been hard. I, I think this is the first time that I've moved somewhere and lived completely alone. I don't have family or friends here. And I feel like that's just been a bigger adjustment than I thought. So as far as creative endeavors go, I'm kind of really off to a slow start. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll write some things here and there. I haven't done... Um, as much acting as I thought I would have done by now, but I'm kind of slowly getting better at sending in self tapes for auditions, but it's a really slow, slow momentum right now. Well, you said you got there at the end of 2020, right? Or Yeah, I moved here like right after Christmas. Right, so it's not that much time. <laughs> yeah, like I've only been here, I guess that's what, like four months, yeah. 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 Yeah, excellent. Um, so what brought you to Community Profile? So I got an email from you, I believe, uh, that was talking about it. And you were just saying that it's it's a really great thing that Profile Theater started. And uh, so, you know, spread the word with people that I knew and, and please join if I was interested. And when I read the description of what it was, you know, basically an affinity space for Black women writers, I was, I mean, that was all it took for me to want to be involved. <laughs> all right. And has it been cool for you? Yeah, it's been really good. I, I look forward to every month. Like, I look forward to each session. I've only missed, like, out of all the ones that we've had, I've only missed two, I think. Um, but it's, it's definitely something that I look forward to every month. Um, even though I don't really know any of the women personally, it still kind of feels like a, you know, coming into a room full of familiar faces whenever we log on. Absolutely. Yeah. And right. it's, it's just, it's a really good vibe. Right. So you uh, brought some work of your own that you want to share with us today? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, I don't do know. What do you want to read first? Um, we can read, um, well, I'll read an excerpt from a piece that I wrote called um, Bound. And is it okay if I just jump into it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, go ahead. Okay. 
The day was gloomy, dark, gray, and overcast. A light misty rain began as the small congregation of family and friends gathered at the burial site. Heads bowed under shared umbrellas when Pastor White spoke briefly and started a prayer. Walter kept his eyes open and on the closed casket. Even as it was lowered into the ground, Walter remained standing at the foot of it, crying silently. He was planted, frozen, clutching the three roses that he was given to place atop of it. After the closing remarks, the mist turned into a shower, and friends patted him on the back, wishing him grievances politely and briefly before scurrying back to their cars. Walter remained in his same spot until his suit was drenched. He walked slowly to his car and placed the soggy roses on his passenger seat, started the car, and began the hour drive home. The patter of the rain on his windshield and the rhythm of the wipers were noise enough to bring him out of the muted state he had been in. His thoughts were a little less foggy, but he now began to ponder as he drove if he was indeed the one who had killed his wife. Wow. That's a really lovely piece. Uh, I am so curious about where this uh, where this story came from. Does it have any autobiographical elements? No, it does not. So, like, uh, yeah, then uh, (laughs) how did you find this inside of you? Um, so I, I started this thing last year where I just, on Saturdays, I go to a coffee shop and I just kind of sit down and write something. Um, because I don't know, nowadays I kind of have to make myself write something. And usually I write characters who are my age or like have something in common with me. But on this day, I just wondered like, well, what if I just write about like characters who are much older? Because I don't. I don't know. I don't ever really see a lot of older characters leading stories in books or TV. So I just kind of took a stab at it. And I I was listening to jazz music, most likely. And that always makes me think of a romantic type storyline or something that has to do with love. So I just thought to write about this old couple and a guy who um, it just popped in my head, kind of a guy who was at the burial site of his wife. But um, just talking about the funeral seemed like it was not interesting enough or at least I assumed that it wouldn't be so I just threw something in there like well what if he killed her because <laughs> um, I've never written anything about murder or anything like that I just write about people <laughs> so I just kind of threw that in there to see like where I would go with it right right uh <laughs> the dark side of Leslie North I guess you know you know and and do you, and do you think this um that you're gonna write on this piece further um you know, I I really I hadn't really gone back to it since I wrote it, but I mean, I I might because um, to me, challenge like, myself. Like when, you, like, like when you shared it with me, and I got to that sentence, I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> you know, so like, so I'm I'm like totally intrigued to find out what happens and whether or not he did, or you know, I I think that's like a great idea to pursue. Okay, great. I'll I'll keep it. I'll put it back in my queue then. So next time I'm writing, I'll I'll go back and see what I can pull out. So you think that do you think this is in uh, uh, a couple in the south? Um, I didn't really think about it, but most likely yes. Mm-hmm. Is a lot of your work you think uh, centered in like where you grew up or anything? Um. So the the thing is, whenever so whenever I write and I send my pieces to people to like read and give me feedback, I don't I don't ever choose a geographical location for it. So they're always like, "Well, where is this story set?" And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know." 
So I <laughs> I think when I write my characters in mind, they're most likely inspired by people that I've met, you know, back home or just people that I've been around in the South. Um, and I guess, you know, the Southern part of the world is probably what I know the most about. So it's probably where I should set my stories just to, to weave things together a little better. Maybe, you know, maybe. I mean, it, it's your baby. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, 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 uh, I, I think what you're talking about sounds really apt as well, though. You know, like, this is the thing you know. Uh, does it help ground it, maybe, or something like that? Because, like, like, to me, it already sounded like you can hear it in the rhythm of your language and in kind of, like, uh, Walter's character. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's really interesting. So um, let's take a look at this next piece. Okay. Which was, like, meanwhile, on the other side of the world... Okay. Um, so which one? Um, the the Sari or the really bad play? The really bad a really bad play. Really bad play. Okay. So first first tell me about this exercise. Like whose was it? What how did it come about? Yeah, so this I wrote this because this actually came out of one of the community profile workshops. So this was the one that was headed off by Anya Pearson, who's great. And um, I don't remember, like, all the specific directions for the exercise, but um, there were just a few things that we needed to have in whatever we ended up writing. So the main thing was to write a play that, like, if you, if you when you think of plays and you think of everything that makes a play great, I want you to write something that's the complete opposite of that. So everything that would make a play really bad, um, write that. And somewhere in it, there needed to be a word that was said like 40 times or something like that. So I ah. I, <laughs> I think the piece that we're going to read is going to get to that point. I don't know if I really yeah. hit the number. But yeah. yeah, they're just little little quirky things that she wanted us to have in there. I don't remember the others, but that was one. Great. Great. Should we jump into it? Yeah, let's jump into it. Do you have it pulled up? I do have it pulled up. And uh, just for like... Uh, I think we should like, I, like, I, I love this piece, by the way. Okay, great. Thank um, you. And uh, I think we should just like tear through it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, I went, like when I read it, I just read, like it read to me really fast. Okay, cool. Like it's, like it's really fast dialogue. Okay, gotcha. Who do you want to play? Um, I'll be Mark, the first character. Okay, great. And you'll be the clerk. Okay. Excuse me, do you know where I can find the nearest hospital? I'm sorry, sir. The next hospital is about 192 miles down the road. Here's a map. I'll circle it for you. Thank you, sir. Oh, my. I don't have enough gas to travel this far. Could you tell me where the nearest gas station is? Uh, The nearest gas station is 190 miles down the road. Right down from the hospital, actually. Oh, no. Are you in pain? Do you need my help? Are you a doctor? No. Oh, then how could you help me? Well, I've got a first aid kit, some carpet cleaner, and this mushroom made of porcelain on my desk. Perhaps one of these could be of use to you, and you wouldn't have to travel to the hospital. Oh, I see. Well, I don't think any of those would help. You see, I have a brain tumor, and the more time passes, the bigger it gets. A first aid kit isn't isn't for internal issues. I have no carpet, and I'm pretty sure that mushroom would break my teeth if I tried to eat it. Oh, the mushroom isn't for eating. I actually have a theory about it. Oh, okay. Well, thanks anyway. Wait. Don't you want to hear my theory? Not really. But you don't know what it's about. I have a theory that items made of porcelain are for good luck. Think about it. I'm very sure you know people who have porcelain figurines in their homes, right? Yes, I know many. 
Well, have you ever known those people to fall down on their luck? Oh my, you're right. I bet this mushroom would bring you luck if you took it with you. It could possibly make your tumor disappear completely. Really? Yes. I have no proof of this, but it is a strong feeling in my mind. Well, I suppose I will take it with me then. Absolutely. Uh, on second thought, this won't help me. No, why not? Well, the truth is, I'm a hypochondriac. A hypochondriac? Yes, a hypochondriac. What is a hypochondriac? You don't know what a hypochondriac is? No, I don't know what hypochondriac is. I've never even heard the word hypochondriac. Hmm, that's odd. I've never met someone who didn't know what a hypochondriac was. And I've never met someone who identified as a hypochondriac. Until today, because I am a hypochondriac. Yes. Well, good. Thanks for your help. Wait. Are you going to tell me what a hypochondriac is? I would like to know. Oh, yes. You see, a hypochondriac is someone who has an unhealthy obsession with the idea that they have a serious ailment or a medical condition. In other words, hypochondriacs often think there's something seriously wrong with their health, but they hardly ever have proof. My goodness, it sounds like being a hypochondriac is very stressful. Do you feel stressed out? Well, now that you mention it, yes, I, I think I am stressed. It is likely that I don't have a brain tumor at all. I bet your brain is in great shape. Is it possible that you aren't a hypochondriac either? Pardon? What I mean is, maybe you're not a hypochondriac. Maybe you just think you're a hypochondriac. In reality, perhaps you just have a lot of anxiety about how you feel. But would it me thinking I'm a hypochondriac mean that I'm still a hypochondriac? I mean, the point of being a hypochondriac is that you fear you have a serious problem. So even if I wasn't really a hypochondriac, it doesn't take away from the fact that I truly felt like I was a hypochondriac. The feeling itself, whether valid or not, is what essentially makes one a hypochondriac. Oh, wow. You're right. Silly me. I completely forgot the meaning of a hypochondriac in the midst of me telling you that you may not be a hypochondriac. Ha! What an idiotic thing to say. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that piece is so crazy. I love it. I love it. Um, so you had to repeat a word 40 times. Uh, and so what you wound up with almost like this who's on first kind of action going, you know? Yeah. Um, so how did you land on the word hypochondriac? You, I have no idea. Um, I, I really don't know. I just, <laughs> I try to think of a big word that people just don't say in everyday language to just make it really ridiculous. Um, and, and, and that's what popped in my head first. Well, yeah, I think you were headed straight towards really ridiculous. Yeah. Full speed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a lot you of know. fun writing this. I think, I think. There was no pressure with it needing to make sense or needing to be, you know what I mean, a really great piece. So it's just kind of like anything goes and, and that's okay. It sounds like the real point of the exercise too. Yeah, definitely. So Anya was a good mentor. Yeah, she was. Um, yeah. This exercise was really helpful for me because I'm usually when I'm right, I'm always in my head and to just kind of have no blueprint of what it needs to be by the end just kind of helped me get some crazy ideas out and, and do something with them. Right on. <laughs> All right. Um, so you want to read your last piece for us? Yeah, I can. Um, let me find it. So this is from um, a piece that I entered like in my first submission for like a fiction contest. So let's see. 
Sari removed the sunflower in her pocket that the toddler gave her hours ago and held it. Many of the tiny petals had fallen off from being compressed in the tightness of her jeans. She suddenly felt the weight of her decision. That baby was the first thing Sari had ever wanted for herself, but she had once again allowed herself to be driven by someone else, a wish that was ruined in lieu of secrecy. She stared at the sunflower as she held it between her thumb and pointer finger. Something about this small weed felt familiar. Another tiny yellow petal fell from the flower as she examined it. A metaphor. In the next room, Tandy was lying in her bed taking a nap. Sari gently pushed open the door and slid off her socks. Underneath her soles, the carpet felt soft, warm from the sunlight beaming through the window. She watched Tandy as she slept. Her hair was in a low ponytail, and there were more gray hairs now, curly and crowning her edges. Outside, Sari could hear the kids next door playing in their backyard. She walked over to her mother's window and watched as they chased each other through the yard. A girl running from a boy, screaming in delight and bewilderment as if she would vanish if he caught her. The boy laughed and smiled as he reached for her. Sari shook her head. Run, she silently warned her. Don't let him get you. Okay, so I want to hear all about this piece. That last, like, that last line, the whole sentiment, uh, felt really like weighted and had like a lot of gravitas to it. Do you want to tell me about it? Yeah, um, so this is a piece that I wrote um, about a girl who, a young girl who um, had really overprotective parents who kind of picked up on the fact that she was a sensitive kid and felt like she may not do well going out into the world by herself, like when she went to college. And so the story is kind of about her going to college. Um, She ended up meeting a guy Uh, She ends up um, getting pregnant unexpected. And even though, of course, before that moment, she thought that the two of them were in love and everything was going to be great. But as soon as she had the baby, he's, you know, he he doesn't want it. And so she has to abort the baby, even though she doesn't want to. And she's kind of a character who has gone through her whole life getting into a lot of things. Like she played piano, she did volleyball, a lot of extracurricular activities only because other people suggested that she might be good at it. So she had never really chosen the things that she did in her life on her own. And um, of course, after aborting this baby and just coming back home, she realized that the baby was the first thing that she had actually wanted for herself. But due to somebody else, again, she had given that thing up. Um, And so the very last scene that I was reading from was her coming back home um, just kind of feeling defeated by life, um, at the moment anyway. Um, and this was a moment where she just kind of went in her mom's room after, um, looking through some of her old things and she decides to creep into the bed with her and just kind of go to sleep because she feels like, you know, well, maybe, maybe home is the place that I'm supposed to be. Cause I've, you know, I've been broken by the world just like they said I would. So I thought, I don't know. You always hear stories about people kind of surpassing people's expectations for them or proving people wrong when they don't think they can do something. But I I think that people's stories who kind of, you know, get discouraged and kind of, I guess, crumble back into themselves. I think that those stories are also just important, just as important. So I wanted to kind of, I don't know, capture that, I guess. 
That's an amazing idea. I mean, it sounds like a really powerful story you started on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, where did the name come from, Sari? So whenever I write um, short stories, fiction anyway, I try to look up the meanings of names because I want them to align with what the characters like. And I don't remember the origin, like the, the country origin of the name, but the word uh, Sari means light. And I just think that this is a character who is trying to find her light, trying to find herself, um, but isn't really confident in herself, I guess. And so her light is easily dimmed by other people. But, you know, with her personality and just the way she is, you can still kind of see her shine throughout all of her circumstances. Whew. It sounds like you have a heavy story ahead of you. Yeah, it's um I like I said I entered it into this into this contest. I didn't really I didn't get it, but um it was kind of the first story that I actually wrote and completed. So um I, I think it could stand to have some more edits still. So this is definitely one that I plan to kind of go back to and, and doctor up a little bit. But I really like this story. Yeah, it sounds like it's gonna be gorgeous. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh Leslie North, that is about our time. Okay. Um, yeah. And uh, you have been fantastic as always. Thanks. Um, you know, uh, good luck on all, your, on all your, you know, new adventures in Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you. All right. And thank you for joining us. Thank you. And thanks for having me. And thanks for creating a community profile. It's really great. And that is it for this edition of Voices from the Real World. We want to thank Leslie North for... Well, just about everything. Leslie's just a cool person, um, a wonderful artist, uh, a warm heart, and we were really glad to have her on our podcast. Voices from the Real World was put together by the creative team of Jamie M. Ray, line producer, Robert A. K. Gagno, sound engineer, Rodolfo Ortega, composer, and it was recorded at Studio de Bermea in Portland, Oregon, which exist on the traditional lands of Multnomah, Kathlamet, Clackamas, Water, and Malala bands of the Chinook peoples, the Tualatin band of the Kalapuya peoples, and many other tribes who made their homes along the Columbia River. We acknowledge and honor the ancestors and survivors of this place and recognize that we are here because of the sacrifices forced upon them. And we honor their descendants who live on. I am Bobby Bermea, and this is Community Profile Voices from the Real World, real people telling their real stories. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Community Profile or Profile Theater, go to profiletheater.org slash communityprofile. To hear more podcasts, go to profiletheater.org slash onair, where you'll find other episodes of Voices from the Real World or Satellite Beyond the Page, or you could even find uh, some of our audio plays, so check it out. If you have feedback or suggestions from me, I'm taking all comers. Write me at bobbyb at profiletheater.org. One love and peace out.